Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're glad you've joined us. I'm your host, Jonathan Darty. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. So many stories have come to the surface over recent decades about pastor after pastor who's been living a double life that has hidden all kinds of sexual brokenness and sin. So much pain has been left in the wake of these stories. In this episode, we read a blog post from Allison Fallon about her personal story of how this kind of betrayal played out in her own life. Then we spend time unpacking some of the key factors that often establish and perpetuate environments of hidden abuse within the church, such as isolation, unchecked and unaccountable power, pride, and even hiding behind one's, quote, calling. We close with giving hope and insights for how true grace-based environments can fight against these kinds of sins and abuses. We hope this episode will help both individuals and leaders to recognize the warning signs of danger and how to fight for truth and genuine grace. To access Allison's blog post, visit allisonfallon.com grace. For additional resources, visit bebroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now, let's dive into today's topic. Well, hey there, Stephen. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. Glad to be here. Feeling blessed. Well, hey, we're going to do something a little bit different today on the program. I want to actually read a blog post, and then we're going to kind of comment about this. So I'm going to read the whole blog post. It's actually from a woman named Allison Fallon, and it's actually on her website at allisonfallon.com. And if you want to read the blog post for yourself, it's allisonfallon.com slash grace. And the title of the blog post is A Culture of Grace is Perpetuating Abuse in the Christian Church. And then in parentheses, here's how I know firsthand. So I'm going to read this blog post, Stephen, and then we've got some thoughts that we may want to share. Yeah. When I was 28 years old, I married a Christian pastor. We prayed together, counseled married couples together, planted a church together, and waited patiently together to have sex until we were married. We checked all the boxes. So imagine my surprise when four years into our marriage, I found out he'd been having an affair. And she put having an affair in quote marks. I put having an affair in quotes because this is far too often how this behavior is conveyed in the church. One man's moral failings, a slip up he made because he was burnt out or because he wasn't getting his needs met. This is for sure how my now ex-husband spun the story and the church followed suit. I received dozens, if not hundreds of emails from people urging me to give him a second chance and telling me plenty of couples recover from this. I've learned to perk up my ears when another man in the church is, quote, having an affair. It's often much deeper and more twisted than that. What I discovered first was a thread of text messages my husband at the time had forgotten to delete from his iPad, although he had meticulously deleted them from every other device he owned. Hmm. And as bad as that was, that message thread turned out to be just the beginning of what was to be uncovered. It was the thread, pun intended, that when pulled makes the rest of the sweater come unraveled. Within days, there were bank receipts, photos, emails, more messages, and page after page of incriminating detail he didn't know I had. When I confronted him about these things, he was careful. He admitted some fault, but as little as possible, until he would find out that I had more evidence stacked against him. Then he would admit a little more, until finally I confronted him about a bank account he had opened without my knowing, to which he insisted I had been there at the signing. I hadn't. This was the moment I decided I would file for divorce. You might think that it's possibly my 
You might think that it's possible my experience was an isolated one, or just a sad, small percentage of bad apples who happened to weasel their way into leadership in the Christian church. But sadly, that is not the case. Since my own experience years ago, not a month has passed without new news of yet another scandal, another man, another pastor who is having an affair, which I've learned is far too often code for sleeping with more than one woman, sleeping with women on his staff, sleeping with women who are underage, paying for sex, stealing money from the church, abusing his wife or children, or any other number of other illegal or inappropriate behaviors. And yet somehow, nobody seems to be doing much about it. These men are paid off, told to quietly walk away, asked to take some time off, often even imported into other church communities, no questions asked. This is not one bad apple. This is a powerful system that is protecting the system itself at the expense of the vulnerable individuals inside of it. Recently, yet another megachurch pastor was found out to be having an affair. It doesn't matter who, because wait a week and it will be someone else. I think the most shocking part each time I hear this news, like this, is always how shocked everyone else seems to be. No, not him. Another good one falls, or my personal favorite. Pastors are so prone to burnout. Again, this is not a moral failing of a single individual or the result of pastoral burnout. There are a predictable set of factors that set up any environment for hidden abuse, and the church is not immune from this. The way the modern Western church has chosen to operate not only invites men like this to exist in the church circles, but we give them leadership positions where their abuse and predatory behavior gets to continue unchecked. This particular set of circumstances will play out again and again until the end of time, unless we decide we'd like to do something about it. If you watch in the comment sections of these often public apologies, you'll see a trend. It's not the vitriol and hatred you might be afraid to see when someone has a vulnerable moment on social media. It's actually a hailstorm of comments that look like this. Nothing but grace for you, brother. God's grace is big enough to cover you. No judgment here, just grace. Grace, 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 grace. And at first glance, this might not seem as problematic as it is. What's so wrong about the members of a community sending their brother grace in the midst of a challenging time? The problem, again, is that when you see these posts on social media, you rarely have all of the information. Affair is far too often code for what would be better categorized as dangerous and predatory and even illegal behavior, a gross misuse of position. The problem is that our view of grace has not historically included things like accountability, transparency, and the appropriate adjustment of power. Grace is not a soft cushion meant to shield you from the pain of being human. Grace is a container strong enough to hold you in the fire where, while it does what it was always meant to do, to humble you, to burn away your ego, to remind you that you are no better than anyone. Some people stay in this fire and get their grace. Others don't want to get a sunburn. Far too often, it is men in leadership in the modern church who are given free reign to do whatever they feel like doing, whenever they feel like doing it, no matter the consequences. They're protected from the natural ramifications of their actions, let alone the punishment that they would otherwise deserve. They're shielded from criticism, overly coddled, and deferred to by everyone around them, all in the name of grace. Sometimes it can be good for us to take the long fall from the pedestal where we have wrongly placed ourselves. Grace is not making sure nobody ever feels bad about themselves or experiences the consequences of their actions. Grace is not stroking the edges of an already overblown ego. Grace is a 600-square-foot apartment I lived in after my divorce was final, where I cried myself to sleep most nights for months. Grace is the life that was pulled out from underneath me, making a way for a better one. Grace is the life I get to live now, out in the open with nothing to hide from anyone. Grace is putting the exact right words to what happened to me. Manipulation, 
gaslighting, betrayal, abuse. What a grace. Author Kathleen Norris has this quote about grace. She says, quote, If grace is so wonderful, why do we have such difficulty recognizing and accepting it? Maybe it's because grace is not gentle or made to order. It often comes disguised as loss or failure or unwelcome change, end quote. Yes, unwelcome change indeed. What a grace that our world is changing. What a grace that women have a voice. And not just any women, but the women who have been manipulated and used and abused for far too long. What a grace that the tides are changing, that we get to finally put the exact right words to an unfair situation. It's not an affair. It's dangerous, predatory, and toxic behavior that needs to change. We are better, and we can do better. What a grace. Wow, wow what a story. So, a powerful article, right? I mean, yes. a powerful blog. And I wanted to, first of all, kind of get your response to that. And then I would, I'd love to talk about some of the factors that I see that do, that create these kinds of environments. Mm -hmm. And then maybe talk about what is, what is the truth about grace and how can we better apply it in our lives and in our churches? I see your emotional yeah, no, my I've got something in my eye. Okay. This never happens. I'm going to make my comments. I'm going to go out and flush mine and come right back. Since I thought you were crying. Regular. Yeah, no, something's flushed into my eye here. She's 28 years old, and she she's in a love story, and her husband's having an affair. Photos, emails, money spent, hiding secrecy. Uh and then she makes interesting statements. There's a predictable set of factors that covers this abuse from predators. And all we say is grace to you. You talk. I'll be right back. Okay, we're going to take a quick break while Stephen takes care of his eye. All right, so Stephen, you're, you're back in the saddle now. <laughs> Something got my eye, and it was irritating my eye. Sorry, this is real life. Yeah. <laughs> so well, let's it, just keep going. Not that it would have been inappropriate to cry at this, uh, this blog post, because it really is sad. I mean, when you think about what this uh, woman has gone through, what also um, the, the sadness about what, what she has experienced and seen in... Uh, oh, the repeated yes. nature of this going on in the church. So I'd, I'd love your response, and then we can talk a little bit about Well, you know, I have a Catholic background, and so the Catholic Church faced all the scandal of priests mm -hmm. being sexually inappropriate. And I wondered, is that just the Catholic Church? Do the, do the Protestant churches have men in them, and are they sexual? And do they say, do sexually stupid things too? And she's saying, okay, boys, mm -hmm. this is a male thing. And, and when you have power and position and title, you know, I get it's hard. You live in a fishbowl. I get that. But if you haven't done your emotional work, you know, when you get way up there and everybody says, you're so good and you're so wonderful. And, and remember what happens. A lot of these guys are addicts. Yeah. You don't just have affairs. You groom out these women. You use porn. You've done you got this long history of goofy stuff going on. And then it, it it becomes cumulative and it ends in in acting out this behavior, so it, it doesn't surprise me. But you can also tell this guy wasn't doing his emotional spiritual work deep in his core. He was living at the surface. He was a performer, doing really well. But you don't end up with this solution if you have a wonderful Jesus-filled life, right? 
Well, and I think, uh, you know, some of the things that I see in a lot of these cases, it makes me think of, um, you know, the book that Peter Scazzaro wrote some oh. years ago, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Yeah. And that is often the piece that is missing, is you have these these individuals, these men, that are perceived, and I'm, gonna, I'm being specific about that word, mm. they're perceived as spiritual untouchables or spiritual giants. Right. They're like they're perceived as being a different kind of saint in the church. And what that tends to do is mm. it it not only does it insulate that person and isolate them, because then now who's gonna who's gonna approach him with any kind of uh, right. you know who's gonna be the 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 prophet Nathan in his life mm. that says you're the man. You're the man that is doing all these awful things. You're the one that needs to confess your sin and repent. And and so they become sort of untouchable. And what that does is it causes them sometimes to even believe, I don't I don't need to do any work in those areas of emotional immaturity, emotional weakness. Right. Um, I, I don't need to do anything there. And it, th- that is what I think in many cases perpetuates that environment where it's essentially saying, this leader is untouchable because mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're different. And, and so they're that so isolates. popular and look how many people listen to them and believe in them. Yeah. That's the other thing, too, is I think there's often a, a theme of a type of charisma that these leaders can have. So in mm-hmm. other words, um, if I could put it this way, maybe this is, uh, you know, either an oversimplification or overgeneralization, but they're good salesmen. And that's why I think I appreciate what you said that there are uh, there's probably a lot of addiction in their histories because think about it what have we learned in dealing with men who have carried secret sin addictions secret sexual addictions you they're better good, answer they're that. good liars they're, oh God, right yeah that's which right. means they're good salesmen <clears throat> yeah they can sell you on their image they can sell you on what they want you to see and know and think and charm. Yeah. yeah. And so I think some of these, uh, the reason and, and listeners, the reason that we're, that we wanted to bring this today was because I do believe there is some systemic issues going on. And I want to share some of those with you in a minute, but we want to also help you to be able to um, recognize when you're seeing these things, maybe happening even in your own church in your own yeah. community because we don't want this kind of stuff to be perpetuated. We don't want um, these kind of stories to just become the norm of just a wake of broken lives uh, being left by these kind of leaders who just perpetuate ongoing abuse and, and misuse of their position. And if you're men around a pastor, then you ask him one question, how are you struggling? Not are you struggling, but how are you struggling? Mm-hmm. And so that he starts to disclose and open up. And if he can tell, if a brother can tell a brother his struggles and they're not secrets, living inside, hidden, buried, and pretending. So I assume every man I know struggles. And I push it a step further. Every man I know struggles sexually. Yes. I mean, you, we live in a sick culture. Sexuality is pushed everywhere. Beauty and nakedness and... You know, it's everywhere. So it is a struggle. And so how are you struggling and how you struggle? How you do with your sexuality? You should ask. Whoever's close to these pastors have to ask these men these questions. So 
What are some of the factors then that contribute to this type of environment to that perpetuates this kind of hidden abuse? I mentioned the first one, which is isolation. The the idea that these individuals, these leaders, they get isolated, uh, meaning again, they're put into a position that it's like, oh, this person needs a lot of gatekeepers. This person is quote unquote special. And so therefore they're, they're isolated. They're actually, the, the irony to me, Stephen, is that, you know, one of the things that Jesus talked about over and over and over again is not only unity in his church, but community. Yeah. I mean, how many times, you know, even in, I think about in John, when he is sort of giving his um, prayer of unity and, and, and surrounding that passage, he says, a new command I give you, love one another. They'll know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. Mm-hmm. You cannot love from a distance. You have to be in community. Right. You have to be yeah. known in order to love. So the irony to me is that these, these pastors who are supposed to be actually preaching that message are not living that message. Mm. They're isolated from the very community that they're preaching to. And that's wrong. Um, that's good. So I wrote a note, if you're not connected to men, you're probably looking to women. Mm. So if this pastor doesn't have a bunch of men around him holding him accountable, talking about man's struggle and that stuff, he's probably creating a secret life of distraction and comfort and mm-hmm. underground behaviors. I think another factor that contributes to these kinds of environments is just unchecked accountability on on this pastor's power or authority. Mm-hmm. So while there may be structures in place, at least in in name, like there's an elder board or there's deacons or there's these types of things, um, a lot of times what ends up happening is that particular leader functionally sort of has un, unchecked power. Right. They're seen as like the final say. They've, they've got the authority. And let's just be honest. That often does lend itself to an abusive environment because um, we know this. We are sinful, broken human beings. And therefore, any kind of power or authority that we have, um, even if it is legitimate, can be abused because of our sinfulness. Hmm. Does that make sense? Right. Listen, I am, I'm a father. Right. By God's ord- ordination, I am to have authority over my children while they are in my home. Can that power be abused? Can that authority be abused because of my sinfulness? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think one thing we want to do is we want to separate the reality that there are legitimate positions of authority that God has established in his created order. Mm-hmm. But because of our sinfulness, any one of those good ordained positions can be abused. Mm-hmm. So I think the way, uh, the reason a lot of times that these environments become toxic is because there's no one, there's no group or uh, there's nobody that is, there's no accountability right. for that. They're not power. under any authority, right? Yeah. And so they are the ultimate authority. Yeah, and in, in that sense, they're, they're not even recognizing that they are to be under God's authority, that they're, they're ultimately to be submitted to him. Oh, they create their own fun life. They're the authority, right? 
-hmm. They can go do whatever they want to do. Another thing that I see in these environments is that uh, sometimes these these pastors, and sometimes it's not just them perpetuating this, but some of the people in their inner circle perpetuating this, that uh, they hide behind their calling. Mm. Like, and I'm not I'm not saying that these pastors maybe didn't at some point in time have a legitimate calling from God right. to be a pastor, be a preacher, but somewhere along the line that be, started to become a shield. Like, oh, that's pastor, you know, that's reverend. Oh, right. That's, you know, he's called. Yeah. And so, therefore, in some ways, what tends to happen is the message that's being sent is because he's called, he can do no wrong. And that's another reason why I think when some of these stories do come out, there is a sense of shock because people bought into that lie that says because a person's called, they're somehow special or they're different. Um, well, and don't we want a leader? Doesn't everybody absolutely. want a, a Jesus, a, a leader that can discern and teach us things? And so they get the title and either they're growing or they're not, mm -hmm. right? And then people are following i think because life is confusing man we need some leadership here yeah and we have to be careful obviously in these conversations we want to we want to always be truth tellers and so um clearly what allison wrote here is really good and it's and i think it's true but it's also born out of her own pain right yes real deep deep pain mm -hmm. and um so while i i totally agree with her that there are dysfunctional systems at play that are perpetuating this in so many environments. Mm -hmm. um, I, at the same time, don't want to say 100% of every single pastor in every church is living a double life, is abusing people, is, you know what I mean? So we, we, want, we right. want to be careful about going all the way to the extreme and saying, you know, be suspicious of every single one of your pastors or anybody in authority. We want to be um, wise. Right. The Bible says be wise as serpents. So one, one of the things, one of the yeah. things that I think we want to do is look at these things that we're talking about and say, hey, is there a sense of, is there an air of superiority in this leader? Is there a sense that he's untouchable? Is there a sense that there's an inner circle that's kind of protecting him from being able to actually have any accountability? Those are the things that you need to look at and say, there's something, there's something potentially wrong here. Sometimes, even if those things are in place, it doesn't automatically mean that there's abuse going on, but it means that the environment is ripe for that. The environment is set up. Think about it this way, Stephen. How many guys have I met over the years? How many pastors have I met over the years that their, their, their fall into sexual sin in their position mm -hmm. was not immediate? In other words, it wasn't like, oh, you know what? From the day they, you know, got ordained as a pastor, they've been living this double life. Typically, it was a slow right. fall. But what, what aided to that was the environments that were yes. set up that actually helped that drift happen. Anything you want to say about the idea of hiding behind a calling or anything else that you're... No, I think we've covered it. So another thing that sets these environments up is pride, just a lack of humility or teachability. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the things that you've, ta you've taught me over the years, Stephen, is that um, I, I know I'm growing if I'm still curious. 
like if I'm still asking questions. Right. And I think that's something, that's a trigger. You know, ever since you sort of taught me that over the years, I'll, that's kind of a, uh, one of these little things that I look for in a, like, let's say I go to a conference or, you know, I'm, I'm with other leaders. And if I'm sitting at a table, let's say at lunch or something like that, uh, of course, I'm giving away my secret here. Should I tell this? Hey, hey, I want to hear the secret. <laughs> Let's you know, lean just, in, lean in, everybody. Just as conversations are happening, I will, I'll just kind of in the back of my mind be saying, who's asking more questions than making statements? Hmm. And to me, it's like, those are the guys, those are the people that I want to connect with. Oh, that's good. The people that all they have is statements to make. I'm like, you you think you got it all figured out. You got, you're <laughs> that's you're right. not teachable. You don't want to learn anymore. You don't want to uh, grow. And so I think that's something to look for. If, if all your that's pastor good. ever does is make statements, but never ask questions, never. Another thing about that, too, is are they never authentically transparent? Not gratuitously transparent. I, I think sometimes the, th the reason that some of these, uh, when some of these falls happen, these moral failures happen, I think one reason that there can sometimes be shock is because people will think, but he was so transparent from the pulpit. Huh. There's a difference between gratuitous or even false transparency, because now you recognize, well, was he even telling the truth when he was being, quote unquote, transparent about that struggle in his life? Oh, like just telling There's a story, difference between that uh, and actually like authentic transparency. Um, so the word pride always messes me up. Why is that? Because the only thing that I know it means is too much me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. When do you use pride? You pride, for, you know, fully yourself or your thinking is confused. And so, so I've just decided to make the word pride very simple. It's just got too much me in it. Yeah. Too much self, self-focus, absorbed about me, my happiness, too much me. Yeah. Right? So then, because everybody uses that word pride for everything. I don't care. Tell me any problem a person has, and the answer will be pride. It's all rooted in that. Yeah, it's all pride. It's yeah. all pride. But you don't, you, you don't, uh, you're not disciplined. It's pride. You don't spend your money well. It's pride. You don't want to read your Bible. It's pride. I mean, it, so the word pride has always messed me up. <laughs> so I have to make it. I'm a simple guy. It's just too much me in it. Yeah, and that's what that's, that's why problem. this yeah. guy would fall. Because there's too much me and not enough discipline, submission, you know, bowed head, change of heart, all that stuff. So let's use the rest of our time to then transition and say, <clears throat> okay, yeah, what then does grace actually mean? And how can we be more grace-oriented and grace-based yeah. in our churches and in our leadership? And I think um, one of the first things we got to know about grace and, and really talking about grace outside of how we typically think of it. I think she made a great point in the article that sometimes we, we think of grace only as, oh, it's just a soft cushion. It's just this. Yeah, it'll cover you. It's grace, grace, grace. Yeah. Nice. We'll clean it up. Grace, grace, grace. And I think what tends to happen, as is the case with any concept in Scripture, is we overplay one part of it and we underplay the other. In other words, we often don't give a complete picture of grace because I believe grace also includes accountability. Mm. Like a real sense of checking one's authority and power. Uh, again, I use the, the illustration of the prophet Nathan. Well, guess what? When David needed to be confronted, that was grace. But man, 
was that in your mm. face or what? I mean, right. he came and he basically made it where it's like he put a dagger in his heart and said, you're the man. You're, you're the, the one man. that's doing this awful, unjust thing. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's grace. The, the That kind of message coming into a leader's life who is absolutely not living out the gospel in a, in a, a way of integrity is a grace from God. And... For, yeah. for those of you out there that are listening and realizing maybe God is tugging on you because maybe you know of a situation, maybe you, you uh, know of a leader that is uh, slipping and falling, and maybe God has put it on your heart to be that messenger. It's bold, it's scary, it's uncomfortable, but it needs to happen in order for these types of environments to be altered and shifted. Yeah. Also, another thing is I think that um, grace means that we face our consequences in community. This guy needs to come out of isolation. Right. He needs to be honest. There's also needed to be confession and repentance. Is yes. there true brokenness or is it just like damage control? Because let's be well, honest. And she said, he gave me a little when I exactly. found Exactly. I caught him in a little, he gave me a little. And then I caught, saw a little more, I gave, he just gave me just enough. He wasn't broken hearted and honest. Back to that story of Nathan yeah. and David, we get the right example of what a right response is. When David said in Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, when he confessed to God. It was not about, uh, I mean, think about it. He'd sinned against his wife. He'd sinned against Bathsheba. He'd sinned against his nation. He'd sinned against his God. And yet he was saying, but really it's only against, I mean, all of it. I am totally broken before you, God. Mm. And that's necessary. That's, that's grace when we actually are saying, I'm going to face whatever consequences there are. Because guess what? David lost a child because of his sin. There was a consequence that he had to face right. in that. Um, and then the last couple things here is um, grace means we embrace normal. See, these leaders, they're running in circles where they're getting strokes, their egos are getting padded, Right. They're getting told you're special, you're unique, you're that was you're wonderful talking you're game, called. Pastor. Yeah. And you know what? I think for, for these guys, they need to be normal. Part of grace is saying Amen. you need to come off of that throne. You need to come off right. of that. You need to come out of that environment. You're just a normal, regular guy. You're just a broken sinner like the rest of us. Yeah. Um I am I'm passionate about this. Mm -hmm. Because I care for my sisters in Christ that oh, have been hurt in this way. I've heard too many stories. Um, and I appreciate Allison for writing this. Yes. Um, if you are... For calling out. Yeah. Really, it's gutsy to call out a pastor. You know? So we are going to put some links in our show notes to help with being able to, to respond to these kind of issues well, to be able to deal with the issues I thank you, the ladies that are out there that have been brave to step yeah. out and tell your story where you maybe faced these kinds of things. Yes. Um, continue to be bold, uh, and we would love to walk alongside and, and help you as you continue to, to heal Amen. from whatever pain has been inflicted upon you. So please reach out to us, and uh, we hope to see you. And if you ever needed someone to intervene and say we're sorry, mm. And I hear the sadness in Jonathan's voice, the sorrow in his heart. 
Um, and, and maybe we could be the stand-ins and say, we're sorry for whatever happened to you. And yeah. We can be part of your healing right now. We ask the Holy Spirit to move mightily, use our little words mm. and bring healing into deep places within you. We are deeply sorry if anyone in your lifetime ever misused you or abused you. We ask that you hear our confession on their behalf, that you might be set free. Well, let me just pray. Father, yes. uh, we just uh, want to lift up our brothers and sisters who maybe have yes. faced this kind of abuse. And uh, Lord, they need your comfort. Um, we just pray that you would meet them in a way right now by your spirit yes. in a way that is healing and redemptive and Thank you. Uh, affirms their value and worth Set and dignity free, yes. before you. Um, Lord, help them to come into the yes. light in ways that are, are healthy and healing. New places, um, Lord. Yes. And Lord, we, we pray also for accountability for those who have wronged these individuals. Lord, um, Thank you, you are the these. judge of all the earth. Yes. And we stand before you as people who have no excuse. Mm -hmm. And so we are begging for your mercy. But at the mm -hmm. same time, Lord, we are also accepting from your hand whatever consequences there need to be for making amends, for being accountable, mm -hmm. and for, Lord, stewarding your church in a way that is a reflection of the Lord Jesus. Pray all this Thank in his you. name. Thank you Amen. for strong women. Thank you for strong women, Lord. Mm -hmm. We thank you for strong women. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we hope to see you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. God bless. Thank you. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.